part of a community of faith identify with. And you may feel acutely by the end of the message or even at the beginning. You may even feel a bit frustrated. And I want you to know that I want you to succeed in your goals in life, uh, but I just want to stir you up a little bit, if I may. So let me ask this question. Do you ever feel like Christianity isn't working? Yep. Your, your pastor asks you, do you ever feel like it's just not working? Yep, right on the heels of Easter, right? Because I think this is an appropriate place and time because we say it's resurrection and he's resurrecting us, but there are many places and spaces where it may not feel, in fact, it may not feel at all. So maybe these are a few for you and maybe I don't hit on them at all, but you can resonate with that statement. Uh, I wonder if how many of you, if you're really honest, might say something like at times you feel a little burned out by the busyness uh, of the church. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, Maybe it's this, you wonder uh, with God and wonder about God, why aren't you answering the prayers that I pray the way that you answer them for so many other people around me? Uh, Maybe it's this, I'm trying to be good, I'm trying to be faithful. I'm, I'm trying to be a, a good follower. I'm doing everything right, but why does everything seem to go so wrong? Right? Why isn't it my kids aren't coming to church? Why is it that I struggle with my own faith? I mean, these are the questions, and you have behind it is really does this work like it's supposed to work? So, does it ever feel like Christianity is not working? like you thought it would, or that it was promised to. It it could show up in any number of people's lives in any number of ways. Uh, Let me just give you a few scenarios, and they're not necessarily representative of us here. But a young man, a young boy may grow up in church. He does all the churchy stuff. He goes to VBS. He draws the pictures of Uh, David beating Goliath, and he shows him to his parents. He uh, goes to youth group like he's been encouraged to go. He has his first kiss in the back of somebody's vehicle on a way to a church group thing. Yep, it happens. Um, Just saying, maybe it doesn't happen as much today, right? Uh, He's plugged into church, and he's trying to do the right thing, and then he goes home. And what he sees at home is not exactly what is presented at church. That He has parents that are, are not quite living to the ideal that is being presented to him in his youth group or in his church environment or even from the pulpit, right? He sees that there are skirmishes at home, fights mom and dad. There's this... There's this this thing that's happening that's tearing at the very core of what's transpiring. And he's saying, wait a second, my mom and dad tell me to go to church. They tell me they love Jesus. But this doesn't seem to be working. Lord, do you even care? Does does this Christianity thing, does this following Jesus even matter? It could be this, a couple that does the right things. They're, They're dating 
and they're, they're waiting before they get involved to do the mating, which is very, very good. And they serve in the church, whether it be in kid zone or somewhere else. They're a part of what's going on. They even give themselves to the connection team because they heard somewhere uh, from the front, hey, it's just good to get involved, right? They have a lot of faith. And then one day, one of them, they get married and one of them loses a job and the other one gets sick. And the answers from God do not come like they thought they would come. And both of them end up asking Where is God in the midst, in the mix of all of this? Does it work? Now, it may not be as dramatic as those, but some of us may know stories like that. In fact, maybe it's it's just not so dramatic. You you go to church, you do your your daily reading plan, uh, you got a streak going even in the plan. You're listening to worship music. You have a decent job and a decent place to live and a decent car. You have decent friends and a decent vacation and you're serving God. But this at the underlying of all of it, you're just not happy. I mean, you realize you're better than most, but you're just not happy. Um, You're not fulfilled, in other words. Happiness is kind of a vague term, but fulfillment is what you're desiring. And you start to ask yourself, does this even work? Does Christianity even uh, make a difference in my life? Does God working in my life? Or is there a better way? I I want to uh, bring to you uh, a message today that I pray that will speak to your heart. And maybe speak through your heart if you're hurting and you're overwhelmed or you're confused, you're discouraged. Uh, John 14 says this, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, Jesus says. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you uh, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me. So, all, so you also may be where I am, where it's beautiful and powerful. Jesus says, you know the way to the place I'm going. And then Thomas speaks up. He says, uh, we, we don't know the way. And Thomas and the Lord says, Lord, we, we, we all, we all want to go where you're going, right? So how can we know the way? Jesus says this, and this is the key. I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes through the Father except through me. So the, the title of our series for the next few weeks is really kind of uh, born out of uh, a little bit of my own journey, but a, a little bit of some of my friends' journeys. There's a better way. There's a better way. Let's pray quickly. Father, we ask by the power of your Spirit and the truth of your Word, you would lead us not just to the truth of Jesus, but also in the ways of Jesus. Lead us, God. Lead your children into a better way. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. And everybody said, amen. How many of you would agree that the way you do something or the way, way you say something matters a lot? Yeah, most of us have encountered that. Some of you are smiling. That's good. I'm glad you're smiling on this side of that. Uh, You know, you can tell the truth in a lot of ways. Uh, Some that are ineffective and some that are effective. Some that were even rude. 
maybe you've encountered some of those crazy Christians that are rude. It's kind of an oxymoron, I get it, right? Uh, crazy Christians, but it may be true. They, they say stuff like this. They tell the truth like, Jesus loves you, you sinner. Works really well, doesn't it? You get it. You know what I'm saying. But probably not the most effective way. It's true, right? Because we're all there, but it may not be the most effective way. The way matters. If you're not married and you're in the room, <laughs> you'll learn that the way you say something matters quickly, won't you? And everybody married said, yes, you will. Right? I mean, it's true. Uh, the way you, I mean, like, like this. You can say something, are, are you wearing that? That doesn't go really well right? I mean, there are just different phrases that you have to write, put the right emphasis on the right syllable. So the way matters. As Christians or followers of Jesus, I don't know if you know this, but generally when we think of the way and the, uh, the way, the truth, and the life, we tend to generally lean only and exclusively in some of our conversations on the truth. Uh, at least I will own it. Preachers do. Preachers do. Uh, which is important because you want to know the truth. And the truth will set you free, friends. It will. But when we often talk about the truth of Jesus, we are less likely to talk about the way of Jesus. And this is where we're going. Uh, Jesus is the only way to the Father. And that's one way we preach it. Yet, it, I also believe that the living, but I also believe that living the way that Jesus has lived is a reflection of the truth that we have come to understand and that he taught to us. We often talk about the truth of what Jesus said, but we often overlook, if we're not careful, the way he lived out the truth he taught, which is what we're about or what we should be about as followers. When you think about the first century Christians, uh, and you think about the books, book of Acts, there's a little title, a little phrase that is just kind of tucked in there. This first century Christians in the book of Acts uh, were not called Christians. In fact, that's a deriding, deriding term that was made up about them. They were not called Christians. They, were, uh, they weren't called religious religious people. They weren't called Bible thumpers. They weren't even called holy rollers. They weren't called Jesus freaks. Uh, all of these you might want to claim, and I, uh, I get that. These spirit-filled, Jesus-loving, demon-crushing, self-sacrificing world changers, according to the book of Acts, were called the people of the way. In, in fact, uh, there's a couple of us in here that have read this book, uh, The Resilient Faith, How the Early Christians, uh, The th Third Way, Changed the World. Uh, they emerged as this, this other way of living, this other way of doing life that is vastly different than just telling the truth. It is a way in which others were invited. Uh, fascinating to me is that when you look at the way they lived, their goal wasn't just right theology. Yes, it was. Uh, it wasn't just strong morality. Yes, it was that. But their goal was to live the love 
and the way, the live the love and the way Jesus lived. That's what their goal was. Their goal was to live it. Thus, the t-shirt, by the way, if you didn't know what it says, it says, live out love. Our desire is that we live the love of Jesus to the world around us, not just and only have correct theology and strong morality. In fact, when you think about the way that Jesus lived, you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, and don't just look at the, at the truth he taught, but look at the way he lived and compare it to the way most of us live, you'll often find there's a very big difference than the way he lived from the way we live. If you know those Gospels, uh, just in your mind, think about the way that Jesus lived. Uh, Think about his patterns of living. When Jesus interacted with people, he was full of joy, and most of us are full of today's stress, anxiety, worry. You you didn't see him going around uh, saying, the economy's falling apart, the Roman government's falling down. He didn't have those stressors. He didn't worry about those things. He told us in Matthew Uh, In his manifesto of the Sermon on the Mount, he told us not to worry about tomorrow or don't borrow from tomorrow. It has enough worries of its own, right? God's already there. He's already got it covered. And most of us, if we were really honest, uh, are freaking out about tomorrow and we're not even there yet. It's the truth. We're borrowing from tomorrow. Some say that we're the most anxious generation in the history of the world, which uh, may be true. With the flood of all the information we have coming to us uh, that tells us not what we're doing well and how, uh, how much the, the Lord loves us, it usually kind of just tears us apart piece by piece, right? Uh, but Jesus, think about this. Uh, if we're the most anxious generation Uh, and we we have to drive fast everywhere we go, guess what Jesus did? He walked everywhere he went. I get it. He could have taken a chariot, but he didn't, okay? He He didn't have a car. When he saw somebody in need, he stopped, he saw them, and he spent time with them. I don't know about you, but but most of the time, my time is so calendared. In fact, I sent an email this morning. Hey, understand you want me to, to be a part of this training. Is there any possibility that it is being recorded because I'm already calendared for that time period? You like that? I am. Uh, I mean, uh, my time can be taken up and stretched. He was consumed listen to this, with an ongoing intimate fellowship with his father. He's consumed with it. And and there are days when I can't even pray for three minutes without being interrupted with a text or thinking about what is coming next. I mean, it's, there are those days. Anybody relate? Anybody sense this? And if not, go ahead and continue to polish your halo right? Because most of us are living in real time, in real space. Uh, Imagine if Jesus were like most of us. Uh, Picture that for a moment. Oh my, yes, somebody just 
Yeah, I saw that. Jesus lived live in a day. Imagine if he were like most of it. Imagine if he were depressed going around to his buddies saying, hey, hey Mark, you know these sandals? I got dirt on my feet all the time. What? They just stink. I wish I had a new pair of Nikes. I could, I could preach to the crowds and the crowds will come if I just had a new pair of Nikes, right? Wouldn't it be so cool? Imagine he's trolling on Instagram. Jesus trolling on Instagram. Now that's a thought. And he's like, oh, JTB, John the Baptist. That guy's got more followers than I do. I don't understand. I mean, can you imagine Jesus doing that? You know, he's not even, this guy, he's not even even worthy to untie my Nikes, right? But he's got more followers than me. Imagine Jesus heals, heals for people. He comes home like, hey, I am so exhausted. Oh, that one person, he came close, halitosis, crazy halitosis, right? Bad breath, by the way. He's, he just, can, you, I mean, can, you can't even get your mind there, can you? That's the whole idea. You can't bend your mind to thinking that Jesus would even have this kind of thought or framework, and you shouldn't, sorry I put it there, but you shouldn't, and Jesus is not just the truth and the life, but he is the way to the Father. He has given us a pattern, or for many of us, a practice to follow. The first century Christians were focused on living and loving the way Jesus lived and loved. When you think about just the way Jesus interacted, if you'll notice, every time you read scripture, how, how did he get somewhere? And he was always walking, right? some theology books about that. You'd never read that Jesus hurried from one place to the next. It seemed he was unhurried, but I'm always in a rush. The scariest thing to me that I've noticed that I'm in a hurry to become the person that I don't even want to be. I'm in a hurry to become the person I don't even want to be. Go, go, go. Faster, faster, faster. My best friend of nearly 32 years, my bride, Kathy, every so often with the kids or on our own, we'll start to pull and scroll through scripture, or through pictures, excuse me, some old photos. Anybody ever do that? And when you, when you do that, sometimes when you look through them, you realize, oh, wait a second, wait a second. That there's something that you might not see with your eyes in these pictures, but I know in my heart in these pictures. Uh, there is a, there's a, a lightness to it. There's an unconcerned nature about what's happening in the next day. There is a, there's a trust and a faith that happens. There's, there in some of these pictures, there's a far more greater joy than there, are, there have been in more recent days. Uh, some would even say I was a lot more fun back then. You know? I mean, do you see what I'm saying? There, there's just something about that. So a few years ago, uh, I began, and I'm still on the journey, to be, began to just start to make some adjustments and some changes uh, that needed to happen you see, uh, even, even the way I had been doing the work for God, 
was destroying the work of God in me. Again, I am in recovery in this process. But the way was not the way of Jesus. Good intentions were born out of a sincere love for Jesus and his church, yet the way I had been doing them had had and began to destroy the very work of God in me. And probably that may be the case for some of you too, that the way you've been doing the work of God or seeking and after God was destroying the work of God in you or your family or the relationships with God and interacting and all of that. Could be the schedule, could be the pace that is separating you from the intimacy that God wants to to enjoy with him. A lot of these things, and not going back to the hope workshop, but some of these things that drive us are locked in insecurities from things in the past that need to be unlocked so we can live in a freer place and space. Unresolved hurts, deep fears that distract you from seeing God as he really is and as he really wants you to be, to live with and in the Holy Spirit, strength and power and flow to draw you close to God and allow you to be the very person that those first century Christians were who live and love God with all their heart but then live and love others because they've been loved by God. So as I began to make some of these changes, uh, it was so different uh, than who I am, that even internally and externally, uh, kind of resist. I still get in moments where I realize that sometimes the internal voice makes the external voices not of God, but well-meaning to push at a place and a pace that is unwarranted by God himself and leave the world wanting something different than the Steve that they've encountered. It's, it's kind of like found, uh, it's, it's the verse in Proverbs 14, 12, which says, there is a way that appears right, but leads to death, right? There's this, there's this way of doing things. And the way that I had been serving God was actually hurting the work of God in my heart and in my life. One of the books that many of you know that I have come across in this process, and this has not been a one week or a one day or a one year thing, uh, was John Mark Comer's book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Uh, Really telltale, some of you have read it, applaud you for doing that. But these are the words that this message, this one today, are kind of centered centered around. It just says to me, or says to us, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and lean, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, for, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's an invitation to doing life with Jesus, just as he came to be with us. Uh, some of us may not know what a yoke is. So here's a picture of a yoke. It's kind of a, 
a piece of equipment that's used on a farm uh, many, many years ago, but you'll notice that a yoke is not meant for one person. It's meant for two. It's meant for two people. When they're joined, they work and they, they, they plow the field at the same pace. One may be more inexperienced, that's us, by the way, than the one who is sided with us, that's the Lord. Jesus is saying, come to me and I'm going to give you a work tool. Had a conversation this week with somebody who has come to them. They're realizing that rest doesn't mean not doing anything. But rest actually means doing things in rhythm with God and his grace. I love that when people come to that understanding. That God is going to put a work tool around us. And it just seems weird. When, when I'm exhausted, he's going to make me plow? When I want a massage or I want a bubble bath or I want Kathy to rub my feet after I've, you know, for whatever I want a vacation? I, I don't want to work with a tool around my neck. I, I, that's the last thing I think that is what the Lord is asking me to do. But what is interesting about a yoke is, again, it's not a single. Anytime there was a yoke, there were two animals joined together, and Jesus wants us to join with him in the work that he is doing, that he will accomplish, that will fulfill his plans and meet your greatest desires, I promise you. But what was Jesus saying in this verse? Simply this, if you're worn out, if you're burned out, if you don't know if Christianity is working, come and join him. He says, I want to give you a better way to be. Listen, uh, not joined in your schedule, not joined in your religion, but joined to Jesus. Not just to his truth, yes, to his truth, which I hope you do and put into play, but also into the way and the pattern that he lived. Now, some of you are listening and you're, you're thinking, properly so, but Jesus wasn't a single mom who had two jobs. Fair enough. Jesus didn't have a student loan debt, right? Nope, he did not. He didn't have my boss who seems to work for the Satan, work for Satan in the flesh, right? Right? Uh, all fair. I would, though come to you and say that Jesus still had a pretty big assignment. <laughs> like, to save the world? I think we can learn from him. Called by God to be without sin and to give us life, Jesus was. Jesus loved freely and still, and still disconnected from the crowds to get alone and be intimate with God. He had long meals with, with people that he loved. Kudos, again, to our hospitality team for giving us a, a small taste and space for that last week. Thank you. Uh, he, he wasn't like I am, you know, where if I need lunch, I go out and grab it, or we, I suppose I could get it delivered. I don't think I've ever done that uh, for lunch, right? He, he found himself in places and spaces with people. If you ever think after one of these internal monologues or external dialogues with others, there's got to be a better way. There is a better way. 
And it's not just living the truth of Jesus, but living the truth in the way of Jesus, in the way he lived. So as I promised, I'm not going to give you a quick fix today. In fact, uh, I think maybe, uh, maybe for some of you, I've stirred frustration long enough for you to uh, kind of go, you know, I, I'm not sure I like what I'm doing in my following of Jesus. I don't like the Christianity I'm in. I don't like the pace. I don't like the stress. I don't like the anxiety. It doesn't seem like I'm partnered with or yoked with Jesus. Hopefully, some of that has come to the surface for you. The idea of if Jesus is the resurrected king and he's resurrecting me, then can he resurrect me into the way of his life, not just only his truth? So, the questions before us. Can he do this? Can Jesus do this? for us and with us. Our desire is not just to know the truth of God, but to grow closer to him as our Heavenly Father. So over the next few weeks, we'll tackle some questions and queries that hopefully will lead you into a better way, a better pattern. So most of us are rushed, stressed, overwhelmed. Uh, so the next, in next week, we're going to talk about a better way, the unhurried rhythms of grace the unhurried rhythms of grace. Most Christians I know are overcome by temptation, feel far from God, and they feel spiritually dull or dry. So we're going to talk about a better way, an unbroken fellowship with the Father. How do we enjoy his presence intimately in an ongoing awareness, with an ongoing awareness of his presence? Most people today are unfocused, preoccupied, distracted by all sorts of stuff, all sorts of things. Uh, We're also going to talk about the better way, uh, an uncluttered pursuit of God's mission. How do we stay in his mission, living out the love of Jesus as he wants us to do and what he calls us to do? Most people live in the past, regretting the things they can't change, and worry about a future they can't control. But, they're f- but we're often forgetting about being physically present to the moment we're in. And that means mentally present to the moment we're in. We're also going to talk about a better way, an undivided attention in the m- undivided attention in the moment, watching as Jesus was always present and learning from him how to do exactly the same. Exactly the same. So if you're tired of the grind, tired of the stress, miserable, afraid, angry, or anxious, and you're a follower of Jesus, uh, I think there is a better way. If you're new to following Jesus, Christianity, or the Bible, there is a wonderful way of following Jesus that matches his truth to his life and allows you to live out his love. Jesus is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. He is the better way. There is no other better way than Jesus. Psalm 21, uh, David says, the Lord is my, uh, yeah, Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Uh, Listen to this. He, He chooses where you'll lie down. 
he'll guide you in that process. It doesn't have to be rushed. It doesn't have to be forced. It has to be about his rhythms. It has to be about him. So what's next? What's next? I have just a couple of questions, and I'm going to give you a, a few moments. In your, as you came in this morning, you were actually given a handout. That's what we call it. And if you didn't take any notes on the front side, there is a place to take notes of, on that. But I have a couple of questions that I want you to kind of ponder this morning and actually write down for yourself. Uh, less about me, more about you and the Lord. Let me ask the first one. What area in your life looks most different from Jesus' life, if you know? What area in your life looks most different from Jesus' life? And secondly, follow-up question, what's one way you can start living more like Jesus in that area? What's one way that you can start living more like Jesus in that area? I think what's interesting in this journey that that we often or is often missed that, that is that Jesus wants to love you. God wants to love you first and foremost. He wants you to feel and experience and know his unconditional love for you as a child of God, a son or a daughter. And I've found that one of the first things that, that and I've shared this before, one of the first things that is transformative to most days that I take the time to do it is to sit long enough, whatever that may take, to allow the love, inviting the love of God to be my experience before the day starts. So that his pace, his voice, his rhythms can be mine before all the other stuff starts flooding in. It it doesn't always work that way. Sometimes I wake up with the stuff flooding in already, just like you but the love of God needs to be experienced in order to be able to give away the love of God in the way of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for your son's pattern and practices that show us a different way to live. For many of us who have been a part of the church, we have to admit that we have Uh, We have accepted the truth, the knowledge about God, the knowledge about Jesus, and even the knowledge about the Holy Spirit. And instead of, of 
relationally allowing our lives to connect to you, Father. We have taken the truth and tried to put it into some sort of practice. That is any le- that's less than life-giving. Whether that's through the design of, a, of those who have mentored us and discipled us, or whether that's just the design of what we think because of the culture we live in, either way, Lord, we understand that there is a better way. Because Jesus himself said he is the way, the truth, and the life. So, Lord, in these next few weeks, allow us to learn the way of Jesus. Give us your peace. Give us your presence and your empowering to engage life and live it to the full. In Jesus' name, amen.